Hey everyone, this is Opposing the Matrix, and this is Dave here doing another show. Tonight I'm going to be doing um, another Gamatria expose, and this one's about Stephen Macon Greer. If you don't know who Stephen Greer is, he's kind of the head of the exopolitics movement um, here in the United States, and probably around the world, too. Um, and we're going to look in to see if there are any um, equivalents, uh, numeric equivalents to his name. Excuse me, breath, and um, and go from there. So anyway, um, before I get into that, I got some amen and hallelujah moments here today. Um, <laughs> um, I spoke with some. I you know if if you listen to the other shows, you know that I've I've run into kind of a stone wall at work. Um, I uh, had a um, about or two with COVID last year, and it's left me, you know, where I can't breathe that well. And um, up until about a month ago, the doctor had been working with me, but um, decided recently that he was going to drop the ball. And and you know, I can't really blame him because when you think about it, I work for the state, and when you <laughs> When you go up against the state and you're a doctor and you're licensed by the same state that you're going up against, uh, I noticed that when he would write to me, he would write differently than when he would talk to me. And because when you talk to somebody on the phone, it's not something that's in black and white. Okay, but when you write something, it's a record. It's a written record. So I noticed that right off the bat, you know, because he would kind of contradict himself all the time. You know, one minute telling me um, in a video visit that, you know, that uh, there was... Oh, actually, I, I was I actually visited him at his doctor's office, and he told me that there was such a thing as long haulers, COVID-19 long haulers. I'd never heard about it before he told me about it, okay? Um, and... Um, which started me on an investigation, and through research, I've kind of figured out that that's probably what I'm what I got here. But um, anyway, uh, so I, I saw that he was starting to drop the ball, so to speak. And like I said, I don't blame him. He's a good doctor, but he's got to protect himself, you know. And if you start poking the bear too much and you wake the bear up, the bear wakes up and he he tears you to shreds. And I, frankly, I don't want the guy to lose his license over over uh, doing battle with the same state that where he's licensed in. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, um, where was I going with this? So uh, last week and the week before, I was going through a really down period. I was, um, you know, things weren't going right. Like I said, usually... I said in past shows, usually I could um, kind of fix things or um, I had the ability to look down the road and see if things were coming and what to do. And I still have that ability. But it's just it's like everything that I tried to do hit a stone wall. Okay? Um, I knew that going in and complaining about things to my, my manager at work, who was a woman at the time, um, we have a new manager, he's a guy, and he's pretty cool. But, um, you know, she didn't want to make waves, and why, I don't know. 
probably because she's got a lot of friends there and she's protecting them, and that's okay. I understand that too. But um, so anyway, uh, the union took their time. SEIU, see it right here. I'm only wearing this shirt because it's a long sleeve and it's kind of chilly outside. <laughs> and it's one of the only long sleeve t-shirts that I have. So um, I'm not wearing it to represent them online. As a matter of fact, if I, hey, that's a good idea. Oh, I don't have a sticky pad here. But if I did, I could stick a sticky pad over it and um, kind of take it away. But uh, they have not really endeared themselves to me. They don't try very hard to do anything. And the guy that runs it at the hospital is a real schlemiel. He, um, he always acts like it's a real effort for him to help you. And, you know, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, you know. But anyway... Um, so uh, I finally did get somebody to uh, a representation of shop steward, but uh, she's kind of hard to get a hold of too. So um, I've always been a kind of take charge kind of guy, and and so uh, supposedly, and I hope she did file a grievance with the union. I mean, with the uh, um, HR department, they're the ones that are causing me all the grief. And, uh, boy, if any of you think that the HR department is for the workers, you boy, are you sadly mistaken. Um, so, anyway, she filed that grievance, and at the same time, she suggested, and wisely, I think, that I, um, I contact the Oregon Health Authority uh, Equity and Inclusion Division. <laughs> boy, does that sound like a... Uh, LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ organization, you know. Um, but anyway, you know, if they can help me, that's good. Um, so I'm in touch with a civil rights investigator, which is really good. And then I talk with somebody else over at uh, my HMO, and they suggested that I get a hold of OSHA. And I said, wow, I never thought about that. Occupational Safety and Health Administration. And I sent a little, oh, I filled out one of their forms, actually, just like I did with the uh, um, Oregon Health Authority. And um, listing what has happened there and how it's putting people in harm's way. And you know what? If nothing happens, nothing happens. But I'm going to go down fighting, okay? I always have. Let me tell you a little story. Um Oh, let's see. It was a long time ago. It was probably around, right around 2000, 2001. I went to a place called the Bedroom Superstore. They're not in business anymore, so I can say their name. Uh, down in Sacramento. And I picked up, uh, I didn't have the money for a, a brand name bed, but I picked up a generic bed, and supposedly it was made by some brand name company. You know, just like every generic thing, it's made by a brand name company. Um, like my lawnmower is, isn't a Husqvarna, but it's made by Husqvarna. It's just an off name. It's a Poland Pro. Um, so anyway, um, I got this bed at home, and I noticed that any time I turned in bed, it made this squeaking noise, um, like two pieces of rubber or styrofoam, that maybe is a better way to put it, rubbing together. And, boy, I'll tell you, you try to sleep with that noise, and it just doesn't happen. And... So I called them, and no else. We'll send an investigator out, 
and the investigator came out and he he looked at it and he goes oh yeah this is a faulty mattress and so I waited a week and then I called the bedroom superstore and I said okay what are you going to do about this the investigator said it was a faulty mattress faulty material or whatever and he goes well that's not what he wrote up in his report he said everything was perfectly good with that mattress and box spring I said oh so you're going to be that way huh and uh he says, what do you mean? And I says, well, obviously, either you're lying or the investigator's lying. And you're the one that's sending the investigator out, so uh, maybe he's working for you. Anyway, so I got online, and this was early on in the Internet period. And um, I started a um, little page up called uh, Bedroom Superstores uh, Horror Stories. And uh, I put it on there just just to put it on there to let people know that they basically did me it did me a bad one, you know. And um, pretty soon I started getting emails from other people. One guy said, "Oh, they promised me a headboard, I never got it." Or you know, they sent me a piece of furniture and it had a big scratch in it. Or you know, and I had it probably about oh, I'm I'm guesstimating around this is a long time ago, so around 12 people that had complained that they had problems with the bedroom superstore. And I'm not just talking about Sacramento. I'm talking about all over northern and southern California and part of Nevada. And I think one even was in Utah. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I could be. Like I said, it was a long time ago. But anyway, so um, one day I got uh, word from the manager of the bedroom superstore who, who basically called me up to cuss me out. And he used very colorful language. I mean, I was really impressed. He uh, he was making up things as he went along, and uh, he had p- putting the uh, the f bomb in front of just about everything you can think of. And so when he got done, I said, "Are you finished?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Good," because I've written everything down, and I just want to be able to tell your boss what you did. So um, anyway, I got a hold of the area manager. I found him somehow online and uh so i wrote to him and i said this is what this man said to me when i'm trying to resolve this problem and uh so he looked at the web page and he goes wow there's a lot of complaints on here and i said yeah i i know that and he says well what do i have to do to get those complaints taken off and i said well you got to fix my problem first of all and second of all i says with each one of those people i'm in contact with them and as you fix one of their one of their problems and they write to me I will take their their um, case off of the internet and he says okay that's a deal so right away I got a voucher to go down to another bedroom superstore I wasn't going back oh actually I did go back to the same one because the guy got fired the manager got fired so that was one hallelujah moment and um, so I picked out myself a, a brand name queen bed um, kings are a little too big. I don't know. He could swim in a king bed. <laughs> um, and uh, I paid a little extra, but, you know, it was only like $100 more. But anyway, so I got that, and they delivered it and took that old piece. Actually, they left it with me because they couldn't take it back. So I put it in a spare bedroom, you know. <laughs> and uh, and people slept on it just fine. I just couldn't. Anyway, um so slowly but surely, I started getting all these notes from people. Well, what did you do? Who did you say? Because they're coming out to fix this tomorrow, or they're bringing me out a new headboard, and 
and everything. I says, well, you let me know when you get these things or when these things get fixed. I'm going to take your case off of the, um, the Internet. And so one by one, they all came off. And um, I contacted the manager, and I said, okay, area manager. And I said, okay, the, everything's gone. I want to thank you for being an honest man and keeping your word. And I'm sorry it had to come to this, but, you know, you fixed a few problems. You got rid of a bad manager, and you've got more satisfied customers. So um, I'm that kind of person. I told you that story to let you know that I fight until I win, okay? Um, so anyway, uh, I figured that with my current situation and the unreasonableness and the bombastic arrogance of this lady in HR and her boss who's siding with her that uh, something had to be done. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm planning on retiring pretty soon. Got the paperwork and I'm going to be filling it out this weekend. And probably by this summer sometime I'll be retired. And uh, so somebody said, well, I think it was my sister said, well, if you're going to retire, why are you doing this? And I said, well, you know, I'm not the only one involved here. There's other people that are being bullied and picked on. I said, i got to, you know, continue this fight for them, too. You know, I'm just not just doing this for myself, for goodness sakes. Give me some credit for having some morality, okay? Um, so anyway, um, I... Uh, I, I contacted these two agencies and the union's working and and I'm even thinking if I have to I'll get a lawyer if these things don't work I'll get a lawyer now in the meantime um, like I said I tried to, to get on some kind of disability because um, with my health situation if I get around COVID now this is what the doctor wrote in one of his emails or one of his letters to to the, to the hospital that if David is exposed to COVID and he catches it, he could be seriously hospitalized or die. And that's you know, that's pretty damn serious when you think about it. Pardon my French, sorry. Um, but but now, um, you know, when I was talking to him, the last letter I got from him, he goes, well, he says I think it would be a good idea if he just floated and got it over with and. And I'm like, okay, so <laughs> serious hospitalization and, and dying doesn't matter anymore, right? Um, see, again, I'm getting a letter that's telling me to do one thing when I got a letter a few months back or about a month back that told me to do another thing. So anyway, I think he's uh, covering his own butt is what he's doing. And like I said, I don't blame him. I might do the same thing if I was in his shoes. I don't know. He's. I imagine he's probably got a, a wife and some kids and a, a really nice house and um, a nice car to drive. And he wants to preserve those things. And I, I, I really do understand this. I can't really fault the guy, you know. I could say that he's done me dirty, but I can't fault him for his motives, you know. So, anyway, um, that's what's going on with that that whole thing. And um, so we'll see what happens. And I, I don't know if I told you, but I got a hold of OSHA, um, Occupational Safety and Health Administration. So I think between them, um, OSHA is a federal organization. 
Um, and if they're if they if they are under the state, because some states do have their own OSHA, like California has Cal OSHA, but Cal OSHA is basically a federal program that the state runs. Um, and in here in Oregon, if they have a Oregon OSHA, then it's uh, again it's going to be a federal program that just hires people that live here in the states in the state rather. And um, so they won't be jaded by the Oregon Health Authority. <laughs> so, um, uh, whereas the other one might, because they draw paychecks from the same place I do. Um, so anyway, this is what's going on. Now, another good thing happened. Um, for about four months last year, I, I um, that was probably in November, I called up... Um, my mortgage company, and I said, "Listen, um, you know, I've I've had a terrible year. I've had this thing twice, whatever it is." And oh, by the way, what I didn't tell you, let me back up a little bit. What I didn't tell you that in the doctor's note, he says, "Oh, why don't you just take this shot and and go float back at work?" And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." So I, I run him back, and I says, "Well, the Torah forbids me for take from taking the shot." Um, so I'm not going to do that. So uh, I, I said, I guess you're forcing me into retirement, and that's okay. Um, so anyway, golly, now I can't remember where I was going. Um, oh, yeah. So back in November, I wrote to our uh, mortgage company. I said, listen, you know, it's been a terrible year. I'm having a heck of a time keeping up. You guys have we, – we, we started a new insurance in January of 2020, and it kind of shot our premium up. And when that happened, um, our, our escrow went up. And when our escrow went up, it reflected on the payment, almost $200 extra a month. And um, so anyway, um, I called them and I said, yeah, so this is severely impacting me. Is there any way I can put off making payments for a little while while we catch up? Oh, yeah, because they had that thing on top, you know, you go to the web page. If you've had COVID problems, you know, call us. We can work it out. So I took their advice and did that and uh, forego the payment of the mortgage for about four months. Uh, it'll probably be six months by the time it's all over. And um, so the other day um, I was advised by a financial advisor. We were trying to do some stuff financially and he said well you know you really need to make two or three payments on on your mortgage before we can proceed so I called up uh, the mortgage company right away and I says I want to start paying again and they gave me some choices you know you can either pay the full lump sum and I said well what's this you know what's the point of doing that you know the whole reason that I I put things off was because I couldn't afford it, and now any money that I do have saved, which isn't much, you want me to put back, you know, it didn't make sense. Another one was to make monthly payments in small increments to pay it back, and the other one was to put it all the way back at the end of the mortgage, and I chose the third. So by choosing the third, and I didn't know this, but the Lord did, Yahweh did, yod hey vav hey. um by doing this, basically, it was almost like, almost like refinancing the loan. Um, and I didn't know this was going to happen. I really, really didn't. So we were paying four percent interest on our on our mortgage, 
So I just got something in the mail today. As a matter of fact, we have to sign and send back in. They've reduced the mortgage uh, interest rate to 3.6%, so they've lowered it four, four points, which brings our payment down almost $200 a month. So, um, you know, if, if, if you've had a problem with COVID, it might be something you might want to consider doing. Um, if, if your mortgage company will allow you to stick the, all the payments at the end, and like I said, our mortgage, our mortgage company allowed us to um, basically almost kind of refinance the, the what's left on the house um, and with a lower interest rate. So very, very happy about that. Very, very happy. And um, so anyway, that's what's going on with that. And so now let's kind of move on to since I've been talking on this thing for uh, 20 minutes. Let's uh, look at uh, what the Gematria has to say about uh, Stephen Macon Greer. I bet you didn't know his middle name was Macon. Um, Seems to be a very popular name down south. I know there's a Macon County, Georgia. Um, There was a movie years ago, Macon County Line. And Greer, I think, is uh, either a German or an Irish name. So anyway, um, I started out this time with a little bit of a biography, and I did this for a reason, because even though this guy is dead set against the cause of the cause of Mashiach, or Messiah, he is dedicated to what he's doing. He believes in what he's doing, and he's not a showman like, um, like uh, Richard Dolan, you know? You don't get the same feeling from him that you get from Richard Dolan. He, Richard Dolan is almost like trying to be a celebrity. This guy has a deep conviction of what he's doing, um, trying to make legislation that will allow or make it easier, perhaps is a better way to put it, for um, aliens to integrate into our society. And also to bring forth public disclosure that there is an alien reality, okay? And mind you that we don't believe that they're aliens, but that they're fallen angels, okay? In a in different packaging, of course, in a different wrapping paper. Uh, they used to come as fairies and ogres and gnomes and everything else in the past. When uh, we had our medieval period, they came as... Um, fallen angels back before the flood and even after the flood to create the Nephilim. But uh, in our modern technology uh, age, they um, they come as uh, visitors from other worlds to make us think that there are people on other worlds, which Yahweh absolutely refutes in his word, and uh, to make us think that uh, they're coming here for our betterment and our are benefactors and they are not. So, uh, Dr. Stephen Macon Greer, he's an interesting character. Like I said, um, in the last Gomatria study, we looked at Richard Dolan, who is the new Prince of Disclosure. (laughs) That's a cool name, actually, the Prince of Disclosure. But it's people like Greer that established the foundation and have made the careers for Dolan possible. Okay. It's like it's like uh, Greer is the quarterback. He snapped the ball, and he he decided, am I going to run with it or am I going to toss it? 
and he did a lateral pass to uh, to Richard Dolan, and uh, Richard Dolan's running it to the, the goalpost, and uh, Richard Dolan will get all the credit, even though the call was made by the um, the quarterback, which is um, Mr. Greer. Let's do a short biography real quick. Uh, he was born June 28, 1955, and is an American ufologist and retired traumatologist. Yes, he's a doctor, a real doctor, uh, who founded the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, or CSETI, and the Disclosure Project, which seeks to dis- disclose the disclosure of alleged classified secret UFO information. Man, I'm having a hard time breathing tonight. Um, Greer was born in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1955. He claims to have seen an unidentified flying object at close range when he was about eight years old, which inspired his interest in ufology. Greer was trained as a transcendental meditation teacher at first and served as a director of of a meditation organization. He received a bachelor's in science degree in biology from Appalachian State University in 1982 and an MD degree from the James H. Quillen School of Medicine in East Tennessee State University in 1987. He attended uh, MAHEC University, MAHEC, it <laughs> looks like, uh, but it's an acronym for something. Um, University of North Carolina, where he completed his internship in 1988 and received his Virginia medical license in 1989. That year, he became a member of the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Honor Medical Society. Uh, Greer founded the Center for Study for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, CSETI, in 1990 to create a diplomatic. Okay, remember that diplomatic and research-based initiative to, to con- contact extraterrestrial civilizations. The official statements regarding its intentions also include a new category of extraterrestrial encounter, namely CE5, or Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. This was defined by Greer as human-initiated contact and or communication with extraterrestrial life. Since its inception, the, the organization has spent anywhere between $3.5 million and $5 million to achieve its goals. be nice to have that kind of money to throw around, huh? <coughs> Excuse me. The organization claims to have over 3,000 confirmed reports of UFO sightings by pilots and over 4,000 proofs of <coughs> what they describe as landing traces, This refers to incidents where UFOs have supposedly left behind trace evidence such as electromagnetic readings after landing on Earth. The organization utilizes rapid modalization investigative teams with an aim of arriving at landing sites as quickly as possible. CSETI has defined a protocol of human-initiated contact with UFOs using consciousness. Ooh. So he's using the TM or Transcendental Meditation to try to reach these beings. Sounds like what Richard Dolan's wife is doing. Wonder if they know each other. Maybe they're related. That would be interesting. Um, In 1993, he founded the Disclosure Project, a research project whose goal is to disclose to the public the government's alleged known UFO 
knowledge of UFOs, extraterrestrial intelligence, and advanced energy and propulsion systems. The Disclosure Project was founded in an effort to grant amnesty to government whistleblowers willing to violate their security oaths by sharing insider knowledge about UFOs. Greer said that he gave a briefing to CIA Director James Woolsey at a dinner party, although Woolsey has stated that he listened politely. In October of 1994, Greer appeared on Larry King TV's special, The UFO Cover-Up. In 1995, Greer worked with a, as a physician at the Department of Emergency Medicine at Caldwell Memorial Hospital, where he was chairman. In 1997, Greer, along with other members of C-SETI, including Apollo astronaut Edgar Mitchell, made a presentation at the background briefing for members of Congress. In 1998, Greer gave up his career as an emergency room physician in favor of the Disclosure Project. See, that's what I have respect for. The guy was pulling down bucks, making being a physician, a trauma a trauma physician in a hospital, and the head of it. My goodness, he was pulling down probably six figures, maybe seven um, a year, and, uh, and he left it all behind. I respect that, um, even though I don't respect his findings. In May of 2001, Greer held a press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. that featured 20 retired Air Force Federal Aviation Administration and Intelligence Officers. Greer authored, un- authored Unacknowledged, an expose of the world's greatest secret in 2017. There should be a comma there, the greatest secret, comma, in 2017. The book is also the subject of a 2017 documentary film titled Unacknowledged, directed by Michael Mazzola. Okay, so I presented this short biography of Dr. Greer for a few reasons. First, I like people that have a conviction and stick to it. Second, Dr. Greer is a contemporary of mine, roughly three year and a half years older than me. Also, just as men like Jim Wilhelmson, myself, Lynn Marzulli, and others believe in Yeshua, we had we've set a foundation for researching UFOs, aliens, and the paranormal using biblical standards, and we've had our work sometimes accidentally borrowed. So to have men like Dr. Greer, who will always be known and acknowledged by me as the father of exopolitics, um, I really respect the guy. Okay. Third, he's a doctor, which means he's analytical. He thinks things through using processes, and although I do not agree with his mission or his conclusion, I can honor his methods. Lastly, although his mission is contrary to the cause of Mashiach, um, he will be used to play an important role in the return of Mashiach Yeshua. Um, He is setting up the world for a deception that Scripture says will inundate the world and mankind until Yeshua returns, and in many ways will necessitate Yeshua's return. You know, he's setting it up, he's whining, and he's pitching. Okay? And Yeshua's the better. So, in a way, he's causing us harm, but he's ultimately he's playing a role in bringing about our blessed hope, Yeshua's return. Medically, he's like the measles that I had when I was a young boy, and I'll, let me explain that. It made me sick, but it gave me an immunity to the measles. Greer's reality will bring about hell on earth, 
but the end will justify the means. The enemy will use him for evil purposes, but Yahweh will be the victor when it is all over. Note, uh, his biography said that he was a teacher of transcendental meditation. This will play much into our study. Transcendental meditation is defined as... Okay, and I didn't have a source on here. I think I got it as from um, Wikipedia. Transcendental meditation, or TM, refers to a specific form of silent meditation and organizations that constitute the Transcendental Meditation Movement. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi created and introduced the TM technique and the TM movement in India in the mid-1950s. Advocates of TM claim that the techniques promote a state of relaxed awareness, stress relief, creativity, and efficiency, as well as psychological benefits such as reducing the risk of heart disease and blood pressure. The technique is also purported to allow practitioners to experience higher states of consciousness, which is where they meet the aliens. Okay, now let's um, go into those words that are numeric equivalents uh, to Stephen Macon Greer. Okay, some of them are words, some of them are, are phrases. Okay, the first one is 55. Now this is quite easy, right? Um, to recognize Stephen Greer was born in 1955 so there's a hit right there ding I wish I had one of those little um, little Hindu um, finger bells ding you know that would that would have been good for the show <laughs> uh, I, um, I used to be I used to bring the um, the meditation people down to the Buddhist class um, or the Buddhist service at work at at the hospital, and that would just—it would always just crack me up when that little bell went off. One time, it went off, and one of the workers he went Ramadama ding ding and walked into his office. And I'll never forget that as long as I live, the guy will forever live in the annals of my my uh, funny bone forever. Okay, now the next word or phrase is forbidden knowledge. Ooh. Again, we have a direct hit. Stephen Greer published a book in 2006 titled Hidden Truth, Dash Forbidden Knowledge, where he asserts his disclosure after talking to over 450 military and other officials about the UFO phenomena. One can take this gematria value to mean that Greer has gleaned some military secrets from these military and other experts, or maybe confirmations, a better, a better word, and knows about a revelation that's coming to us in the future, possibly in the very near future. The way things are going, for goodness sakes. It's also interesting that the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was called forbidden fruit uh, by God himself, Yahweh himself. By the very name of the tree, it suggests that by eating the forbidden fruit, Adam and Chava, Chava, Chava is the uh, Hebrew for Eve, uh, gained the knowledge that they were not meant to have. Furthermore, in the book of First Enoch, Yahweh is chastising the fallen angels by telling them that the secrets that they've brought down to earth and revealed to mankind were really junk knowledge, that they didn't get the good stuff, in other words. Yes, it was forbidden, but probably because the knowledge that they gave to the daughters of men led mankind to a further rebellion. That's one of the reasons why they were judged so harshly, the angels were. And they're living in a place called Tartarus, which 
not very many people live in or beings live in. Um, it's a place that the Greeks describe as as far below hell as heaven is above the earth. Um, it's a very special place for very evil beings. Stephen Greer practices altered states of consciousness when he practices transcendental meditation. And here we go. I sat outside of one of these meetings at my workplace when I had to bring patients to a Buddhist class. The woman leading the class told the class that they had to shut off their monkey minds. That's what she said. She might have said brains, monkey brains, and tune into the consciousness of the universe. Now, what people fail to realize, or if they're agents of evil, they do realize this, uh, that shutting down your brain relinquishes your sovereignty to yourself, and it allows a doorway for other things, nasty and wicked things, that is, to enter into the mind and often into the heart. Uh, when you create a vacuum, there's always something that wants to fill it. And when you shut your mind down, you're creating one of the worst vacuums that you can imagine creating. And uh, there are a lot of things out there that would love to fill that vacuum, and they aren't good. Um, I cannot say for sure, but when Stephen Greer practices TM, from now on, Transcendental Meditation will be referring to as TM, and shuts his mind down, he allows the beings that he is an advocate for to enter and to fill his head with all sorts of junk. It would be like connecting your computer to the dark web with nothing to prevent others from accessing your computer. Uh, no spyware, no, uh, I mean, no anti-spyware, no anti-virusware, and they're stealing your information and taking the machine over. No difference. Now, the next phrase that comes up is Donald Trump is the Antichrist. I'm going to see if I explain this correctly. Now, I think that Trump knows about the plan of the enemy to take over the earth and that it would be a cosmic exception. I also believe that this is why he established the Space Force, possibly in an attempt to stop a cosmic invasion. Uh, I think that it would have been in vain because these entities can open portals in various parts of the world without ever having to enter the atmosphere. Um, now, does Greer believe that Trump's the Antichrist? Well, that's all dependent on who you consider the Christ to be. If you consider Christ to be Yeshua, the Messiah of the Bible, then yes, Trump is a con contender for Antichrist um, in Greer's eyes. Um, however, if you believe that Christ is the Christ consciousness that the New Age awaits, then it's possible that some would consider, consider Trump to be the Antichrist. Uh, and those would be believers. Uh, the formation of the Space Force would have allowed the New Age to bestow upon him, meaning um, Trump, the mon that moniker of Antichrist. Either way, Trump is a suspect. Um, Charles Darwin. Uh, but let me add, I don't think that Trump is the Antichrist, okay? He doesn't fit a lot of the models, um, uh, except that he was a world leader. And he made a pact with Israel. That's everything else is shows that he's basically a born again believer in Yeshua. So the next word is Charles Darwin. Now, Charles Darwin is the founder of Darwinian evolution. It's a, ma a major concentration of this belief system dictates that animals evolved through mutations over billions of years from a simple single celled organism, and it developed into plants and animals that we have today through mutations. 
those who practice TM are adherents of Buddhism, whose core belief is that through endless generations of rebirth, otherwise known as reincarnation, which is totally anti-biblical, then if you believe that and you're a Christian, knock it off right now and do some study for yourself and find out why you're wrong. Okay. Through generations of rebirth, reincarnation, a purpose, a person can evolve spiritually to achieve nirvana, or some people call it the Brahman. Uh, the full name of Dharma's book is often hidden because it's purely racist. Um, the name of the book is The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in a Struggle for Life. Those that practice TM in a new world in a new age could rightfully call their book or that book uh, the origin of a new species by means of spiritual selection or the preservation of favor, favored religions and the attainment of nirvana or nirvana. Stephen Greer, I would assume, figures that this evolution could be realized if aliens could come and help us evolve into Homo Deus or God Man. The next word that comes up is newspaper. Um, fairly easy one. Uh, Stephen Greer has appeared in articles in many newspapers. Also, he is featured on Larry King's special on UFO exposure. Um, he's been in magazines. He's. I don't think there's a medium in this world that Stephen Greer hasn't been on in one way or another, whether it's the Internet, television, radio, um, you know, you name it, he's he's done it <laughs> um, to get his message out. And you got to give him credit for that, um, for his steadfastness. It's too bad to, Christians aren't as dedicated to their the message of Christ as uh, Stephen Greer is to the message of um, disclosure. Now, the next one's kind of interesting. It's the sound of the trumpet. The Bible speaks about the sound of the trumpet many times in the Tanakh, which is the old often called the Old Testament, it was a call to a solemn assembly or a call to arms. In the Brit Hadashah, which is the New Testament, Paul talks about Yeshua coming to receive his own at the last trump. The book of Revelation talks about seven trumpet blasts that produce angels that pronounce judgments against mankind. Now, it's, what's interesting is Revelation talks about a time when there's a lull, and it's between the sixth and seventh trumpets. Uh, during this lull, an, agent pro, an angel proclaims, time will be no longer. Now, the Greek words that translate out to that mean something that once was has changed and has become something else, different. This can only mean that for a short while, linear time will be eliminated or melded with interdimensional time. That's going to be a time that we're not going to want to be around, and we won't be. Thank you, Yahweh. Um, I believe that UFOs and fallen angels disguised as aliens will have been here for about three and a half years at this point, as well as the Nephilim. At this time, I also believe that Yahweh will begin to judge mankind and the powers of darkness. The church will be ushered up at the last trumpet, just like Paul said, and will escape these judgments because Scripture is clear that, that Yahweh's people are not appointed to his wrath doesn't mean that we're not appointed to the wrath of the earth. Jesus says, Yeshua says many times that you'll be hated for my sake. <laughs> you'll be delivered up and killed, he said. Um, 
So that is the wrath of mankind and the wrath of the devil. And it's not the wrath of God or Yahweh, which is reserved for the world. Uh, we should take note that Greer is in favor of making legislation that would protect the aliens when they come. Maybe that's why all the recent laws involving illegal aliens and immigration in general use the term individuals instead of people because people always denote humans and humans alone. Okay, look it up in the dictionary, people. It always means mankind or humans or a person, a human being. Uh, individuals can be any animal, plant, or even a single-cell bacterium. Uh, Greer's legislation will make it so that when fallen angels do arrive, they will have equal and unfettered rights alongside human beings and any kind of hybrid or hybrid. And we'll get into hybrids in a little while. The next phrase that comes up is radioactive human. Now you're going, how in the heck is that? Well, wait. <laughs> you're going to see. Um, Stephen Greer is not convinced that alien abductions occur because of aliens, but he asserts that the phenomenon is mostly human origin in an attempt to give the aliens a bad name. Now, who else do we know that that has that's a Christian that believes that? Well, the infamous Joe Jordan believes that, that it's all psychic, and that it's possibly used by the aliens. Joe does to to bring a, to make it look like alien abduction is a physical thing. Um, but Greer is saying that. Uh, the government or, you know, the whatever, human beings are the ones that are responsible. Uh, if, one of his if one of his disclosures, excuse me, let me start again. In one of his disclosures, he factors in the inhumane act of abduction um, as a human endeavor with other experiments, including testing radioactive substances on unsuspecting public. This is a quote from... Um, well, I'll read a quote from um, his website, actually. Um, it's https colon backslash backslash um, or forward slash, excuse me, serious like the planet or star, seriousdisclosure.com forward slash csetti dash papers forward slash abductions forward slash. Okay, and he says here, the use of reverse-engineered ET communication technology for disinformation pur purposes via abductions and the like also allows for the testing of such systems to evaluate their efficacy and reliability. What he's saying there is that the government is using back-engineered alien technology to perform these abductions. It's not the aliens. For those who believe that such test the testing of such non-lethal weapons on civilian population by covert operations is unthinkable. Covert means hidden, hidden operations, and it's almost always equated with the CIA, the NSA, DIA, and other alphabet agencies. He continues, remember the covert testing of radioactive substances on individual, or excuse me, innocent civilians during the Cold War. In 1993, the Department of Energy, formerly the Atomic Energy Commission, and its leader, Hazel O'Leary, um, Hazel O'Leary released the documents disclosing the fact that innocent civilians had been deliberately contaminated with plutonium and other toxic radioactive substances to simply see what the effect would be. 
it was reported that the plutonium was actually put on oatmeal of children in an orphanage to see what effect it would have. The same sociopathic excesses of those secret plutonium testing projects are being replayed in spades in the, civiliz- in the civilian sector with simulated ET abductions of innocent humans, so-called cattle mutilations, also largely co- which are also largely covert human origin and related covert projects. See, he's equating everything with people doing this with back-engineered alien technology. Not that the aliens are doing it. So he's an advocate for the aliens. Actually, in a way, he's kind of a traitor to humanity. But um, he continues, we may not want to believe this because it seems just too horrible. But the longer we live in denial, the more we will be led down the primrose path of deception and manipulation of our minds and emotions. So he's saying that alien abduction is in the mind. It is psychic in nature, not... Uh, metaphysical and and it's done by humans and not aliens okay now I can't advocate for for mankind because Greer is in a sense right humans have done unspeakable things to other humans throughout history however to throw out aliens as the perpetrators of the alien abduction of alien abduction is unconscionable he has turned the whole affair into a he said she said sort of spectacle where two groups are guilty of throwing sand in a sandbox and both sides claim innocence. Greer might think that he knows the intent of the aliens, but a review of history with its many stories of fallen angelic antics is a serious error of judgment. Okay, ignoring it is a serious error of judgment. Uh, yes, while making people radioactive and killing them is, mur- is murder in the nth degree, you can't cast every evil of society on people alone, especially when Paul tells us in Ephesians that we do battle with spiritual entities, and he, meaning Paul, lays the blame of the ills of mankind as men being puppets and, and the fallen angels being the puppeteers. Okay, so they're both involved. Alexander Jones is the next word. And when I first saw this, I went, who the heck is Alexander Jones? And then I realized it's also, his name is Alex Jones. He's a radio talk show personality. He's had Stephen Greer on for numerous interviews, which makes him highly suspect in my book. Uh, most of the topics included the subject of the New World Order and, and the order to keep secrets from the public. In other words, he was advocating for disclosure in, in a broad form but also disclosure of the UFO reality. Okay, here's an interesting one. The Seventh Son. Not S-U-N, S-O-N. Like if a guy had a bunch of sons, the seventh one. Um, In folklore, it's said that the seventh son of an uninterrupted male line is endowed with special occult powers. In the David Jacobs book, They Walk Among Us, Jacobs asserts that witnesses uh, of alien-human hybrids rarely see female hybrids. It would stand to reason that if if, uh, it might have taken seven generations of hybridization for the aliens or fallen angels to produce what Jacobs calls hubrids, H-U-B-R-E-D-S, creatures that look identical to humans in every way, which would make them the gold 
golden children, so to speak, of the hybrid achievement. Um, if Greer succeeds in pushing through legislation to legalize these ultimate illegal aliens, they could take over every sector of society and never be known to be aliens. Isn't an interesting that thought then? It's an interesting thought, and it's spooky, too. And just think about it, you know, if they did take over every element of society, they, they would be the ones that were that would deny um, people without the mark, uh, the, you know, food, clothing, shelter, and everything else. And according to Stephen, or according, according to David Jacobs, um, they have the ability to uh, speak to the mind of uh, just regular humans and change people's minds and, and everything else. And um, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Paul said praise that um that God would uh, guard our hearts and our minds um, because our minds are subject to suggestion. And if you don't believe it, then how come you watch television? Uh, <laughs> because there's a reason why they call it programming, folks. They're programming you. Okay. Now, here's a word that is... Bear with me while I try to pronounce it. I've even, I've even uh, hyphenated it so that I can read it easier. Ethyl anidia mina triacidic acid side effects. Okay, don't ask me to say it again, okay? I will spell it E-T-H-Y-L-E-N-D-I-A-M-I-N-E-T-R-I-A-C-E-T-I-C and then acid side effects. Um, Stephen Greer formerly worked in a trauma center. Now, this compound is used in two things that are of a medical nature. It's used uh, for heavy metal, for example, lead or mercury toxicity, and it's used in digoxin toxicity. Uh, digoxin is often called digitalis. It has a very narrow therapeutic window. In other words, um, uh, how can I say? Okay, with Tylenol, you could take one Tylenol and it works. You could take two. You could take three or four and it's not going to hurt you. Okay? Uh, at higher doses, it might start messing with your liver and stuff, but it's something that you're not going to notice right away anyway. But uh, anyway, um, with digoxin, there's a very narrow therapeutic window and it is possible to take too too little, in which it wouldn't work, or to take too much, and the difference between too little and too much is a very small window. Okay, and that's what they mean about um, the toxicity of digoxin. It's um, I think it comes in 0.125 and 0.25 milligram tablets, and uh, 0.25 is pushed in the envelope. It's usually used for arrhythmias and stuff like that. Um, it kind of, and then the COPD, no, no, CHF it's used for because what it does is it causes the heart to um, pump slower but pump harder, um, thus pushing the blood to the farther into the extremities of the body so that it can reach your, your far extremities like your, your feet and your hands and stuff like that. Uh, people that have CHF, uh, a lot of times it doesn't happen. And uh, they start having problems with their legs and their arms and hands and feet and, and everything else. 
So taking too much um, can lead to a cardiac arrest, which would land somebody in a trauma center. Hey, whether Greer ever used this compound or not is unknown, but he certainly would be aware of it. Okay, I'm not talking about digitalis. I'm talking about that acid thing. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to try to read it again. Okay, now there's another word or phrase called the three sevens. Now, do you remember when we looked at the numeric value that stood for forbidden knowledge? Well, the number 777, or three sevens, ties in with that according to those who are into numerology. And folks, I had to look this up. I didn't know this, okay? I'm not a numerologist, even though I play around with the gematria and it seems to point to things. Um, here's what the number is supposed to represent according to an occult source. Okay, a person that uh, has that number is a sacred wisdom keeper. 777 is a sign of secret wisdom. You are a keeper of sacred spiritual knowledge. This has been revealed to you because of your dedication to your spiritual path and the universe's trust that your soul will share it with others as needed for their personal evolutionary journey. Boy, does that sound like somebody that's involved in transcendental meditation that's trying to get people into a higher vibratory path pattern and, um, and help them to achieve it by relaxing through meditation. Um, if you are seeing the number 777, it means that you are a great spiritual teacher. Uh, remember, Stephen Greer taught TM. Though you're, through your introspection, you've come to see how the spiritual and material worlds are perfectly intertwined. TM teaches you that, too. Um, you've studied the spiritual principles that underlie the material world and have discovered that spiritual transformation leads to transformation in the material world. That's interesting. That's like saying that um, that these beings can be spiritual in nature but material materialize into the uh, physical world, which is what they do. And Stephen probably knows that. Uh, 777 is a sign that you understand the true alchemy of the soul. You've learned how to transform lead into gold, spiritually speaking. Or maybe when uh, life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Um, the universe is signaling that you are guided. You are guide for other spiritual seekers who will long to refine their spiritual nature in the way that you have done. <laughs> He's created organizations to do this, folks. Um, by discerning the voice of your intuition, contemplating the unknown questions of life, and applying what you discover, you truly made noteworthy spiritual developments. If that doesn't sum up Stephen Greer, nothing does. But it continues. Now it's time for you to be sac a sacred wisdom keeper and teacher for others who wish to follow the path you have taken. Teach Transcendental Meditation. AKA, um, you will be noticing more people are coming to you for spiritual advice and being receptive to the insight you have shared. He's got a large following. Seeing 777 in your spiritual path indicates you've ascended from student to teacher, which we know he is already. 
Uh, you have been divinely given hidden knowledge that is only accessible through meaningful spiritual contemplation, or TM. Uh, the universe trusts you. Well, the universe is talking like it's a uh, spirit, like it's a, a live being, and that's what they believe. By, by the way, folks, they also believe that the Earth is a living creature, and that's why environmentalists and some of these uh, environmental Nazis. Um, do what they do because they believe they're saving the life of Gaia is the name of the earth goddess um, and if she's a goddess why does she need her life saved um, the universe trusts you will use this knowledge for the, the highest good and continue to share it for the betterment of humanity and that's what he's out for to promote the aliens so that they can come and better humanity bingo B-73, bingo. Oh, B-77, there you go. Um, remember now that um, that this is occultic thinking, but everything occultic stems from the knowledge that fallen angels give to mankind, right? So according to what's written by these people, a person who meditates often can gain secret knowledge. The fact that, that their number is 777, according to them, the occultists, is that it denotes that the holder of that number is free to reveal the secret knowledge to those who think they're worthy of giving it to. Uh, we've learned from Greer's bio that he taught TM, so he's an adept. Uh, t since he has had some sort of communion with otherworldly beings, they have given him information that they want him to know, and appears that he feels the freedom to share both in knowledge of UFOs, or their knowledge, and what their plans are, and how Stephen is supposed to work their agenda into our society. And the source for that is https forward, uh, colon forward slash forward slash www.moonomens.com forward slash decoding dash the dash spiritual dash meaning dash of dash 7777. Okay, the next, um, and we're about two-thirds of the way through here, maybe even more. Next uh, phrase is over the target. Now, Stephen Greer, when it comes to full disclosure of alien life and UFO visitations, is right over the target, and he's been over the target for decades. His targets are the governments of this world, the United Nations, various religions, and certain segments of society. But even though he's over the target, it appears that he's dropping bombs that are duds. Um, why are they duds? Well, he's preaching it to the choir, so to speak. And why is he doing that? Well, most if not all the entities mentioned above know the truth, but they're not allowed to release the information. Why can't they release it? Well, maybe it's because Greer's truth would upset many world religions, through the presence of, though the presence of aliens could justify most, most religions, except for maybe two, Judaism and Christianity. And I'm talking about um, Jews that are faithful religious, not your run-of-the-mill Jew who believes that he's Jewish just because he was born Jewish. Um, the governments might not want to have a panic on their hands, but I think it's safe to say that society, or at least here in America, would welcome the revelation of aliens, that, that, um, that is, if they keep their disguise as aliens. If they came as fallen angels, they might be suspect and uh, 
and fought against. Um, ask people in churches. Very few of the faithful believe that <clears throat> if they are faithful, they're probably not if they believe this. Or uh, actually, if they believe that we're a special creation of Yahweh, then they are the faithful. Um, yes, Greer is over the target, but while his targets have up their shields up at full power, uh, Greer's truth won't be allowed to be acknowledged. Oh, and um, since it's fallen angels that rule the world right now, maybe they don't want the truth to come out yet. Can you imagine that? Next phrase is, don't know him. This could be a reference that Greer does not know and has never known of Yeshua. Now, he grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and if, <laughs> it's a very Christian place. Um, it's kind of like the holy city of American Christianity, <laughs> just like Springfield is the uh, the holy capital of the Assembly of God, a lot of would say. And, um, and well, I wouldn't call them Christians, but uh, Salt Lake City is the unholy capital of Mormonism. Um, so it's probably better to state that Stephen, Stephen Greer has denied the godly faith in place of the faith of the Space Brothers, that they will save us from ourselves. The next word is uh, the word Savoy. Now I look quite extensively to see how this name fits in numerically with Dr. Stephen Macon Greer. The definition of Savoy is... Well, it's a noble family of Italy that ruled over the Duchy of um, Savoy and, he, and became the Royal House of Italy from 1861 to 1946, the oldest reigning dynasty in, in Europe before the dissolution of Italian monarchy. And that source was from Dictionary.com. What I find interesting is that both Stephen Greer and Michael Dolan, both being men of ex exopolitical in nature, they just don't have family histories that one can research. You can look all over the place and not find anything about, uh, you can find out about when they were born, but anything else, um, like Dolan, it appears that Greer just arrived on Earth 65 years ago. Well, Dolan, a little later than that, because he's not that old, uh, with no father or mother, no siblings or any other relative. Um, why do such notable men not pop publish their heritage or family history? It's a mystery, isn't it? It is to me. I mean, you know, especially with Dolan, he's such a megalomaniac. You think that he'd want everybody to know what his heritage is. But for some reason, these guys just show up. And that's very suspicious. It's very suspicious in that maybe they're uh, not of this world. I'll leave that one with you. You can figure it out. I have my own opinions, and I'm not going to go into that. Okay, the next phrase that comes up is the salvation of God. As I have mentioned in other Gematria searches, there is one supreme God and many minor demonic and fallen angel angelic entities that assert Godhood. Uh, where Stephen Greer is concerned, the salvation God is not the biblical God, but comes in the form of a pilot of a UFO somewhere in the cosmos. Yes, they believe that, folks. Uh, this is the phony Jesus that bills himself as Sonata Jesus, who blazes back and forth in a UFO throughout the universe. Perhaps that's the salvation God that Greer is waiting for. And this God is also going to present himself as the the last Mahdi in Islam. He's going to present himself as the Messiah to the Jews. He's going to 
present himself as uh, the Brahmin to the um, the Hindus and the Buddhists and uh, whatever other major um, uh, and, and, and to Christians he's going to present himself as Jesus Christ um, and if you fall for that one well got to wonder if you were born again to begin with um, okay next phrase is President elect Joe Biden now while I haven't heard Joe Biden say that he will bring about a full disclosure which many presidents have um, I doubt it seriously that he will take on the project. It seems to be a project that presidents are warned away from. Now, I don't know if you remember, but Ronald Reagan said he was going to bring forth the truth and never did, and so did Trump, and and Clinton said he was going to bring forth the truth about UFOs, and that just kind of got put on the back burner. Well, with Clinton, you can understand it. He was too busy with the interns in the Oval Office. But um, more serious people... Um, I've just put it aside. The next word is networking. Networking is something that Stephen Greer excels at. And he would because he's a doctor. And he was the head of medicine too. So um, most adherents of the supposed UFO reality and alien revelation do network with Greer. Even people like military brass, heads of state, know there's a part of his network. It seems that perhaps the aliens themselves do not want to be revealed yet. Uh, rest assured that once the world, a world crisis of great magnitude arises, something like an extinction event maybe, uh, then they will be close, uh, they will disclose themselves to the world. After all, that's what they're here for, to protect us from ourselves, right? Okay, the next word is Yeshua ben Yair. And that last word is spelled Y-A-I-R. Now, this name is interesting. While I haven't found anyone of note that could be considered worthy of a note here, the name does have a meaning. Yeshua is Hebrew for salvation. Ben is the Hebrew for son. And Yair is Hebrew for he shall enlighten. Could this be the name of the son of perdition that will come to this world as a counterfeit of Yeshua HaMashiach? His name is Salvation's Son Will Enlighten. Enlighten means to bring to light. Lucifer means light bearer. Is this a man who will come with the light of the light bearer to bring a false sense of salvation only to throw the world into chaos and mourning toward the end? Okay, the next phrase that comes up is the phrase so obvious. Now many things are obvious to those who are searching for the truth. To those of us with discernment, we see Greer's quest as one that will introduce fallen angels and demons into our society, and they will be accepted by wicked, a wicked generation. Uh, for Greer, it's most likely obvious that his quest is just uh, his quest is just a quest that he's doing uh, the world a favor or himself to get himself notoriety. But I kind of doubt that. Um, but it's possible. Anything's possible, I guess. Um, so, um, yeah, so, so obvious is the, is the word. And, um, a lot of things in this realm are so obvious. Uh, the next word or phrase is greed and power. This phrase is applicable in so many ways. First off, these so-called aliens are not our benefactors. 
They're coming here to take over, to exert great power over the human race, and to take anything that they please. Okay, they tried to do this before the flood. That's why God had to destroy the world. Or one of the reasons. Um, after the flood, they're going, and they're going to do it again in our modern era. Uh, incidentally, they did it after the flood. Um, and that's why uh, we had giants like Goliath and his two brothers, and the Gog, the um, king of Bashan, and, and other giants that are mentioned in the Bible. Uh, in, in the uh, time after the flood. Now, they've been doing this throughout history, but at the end of the age, they will intensify their efforts. As for Greer, uh, can you imagine the power that he will receive as the person that advocated for and fought for the rights of these beings to manifest on earth and be accepted? He will be offered anything and everything that he ever wanted. Um, I heard that the, the office for false prophet is vacant, meaning the false prophet mentioned in uh, in Revelation. Hey, and that brought us to the end. What do you know? What do you know, huh? So, anyway, where are we time-wise? An hour and 12 minutes. My goodness, we blew through that one, huh? But, um, folks, these, these people are, are dangerous, okay? Now, I'm not saying that anybody should go out and try to do Stephen Greer or Richard um, Dolan any harm. They're just puppets that are being played by God to bring about the return of his son. Okay? Um, just as the same as God used King Nebuchadnezzar to, to take the Jews captive uh, around 586 B.C., um, he actually did the Jews a favor. Uh, because after that, they never practiced idolatry again. Um it just like uh, the donkey talking to Balaam. Um, God can use anything or anyone to talk to you or I. I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but you're at work and all of a sudden this stupid joke pops in your head and you say it. And there's always somebody out there that knows you're a believer and will say, is that something a Christian should say? Uh, if you haven't had that happen, then... Either you don't talk or you're a liar. Um, because I, every Christian that I know that's happened to. <laughs> okay, every believer in Yeshua. Um, so they're watching us, folks. Everybody's watching us, and we need to be careful of what we say. We need to be careful of what we do, what we think. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. That's what Scripture says. And um, it all starts in the brain, it goes down to the heart, and then it comes out the mouth. That's the um, spiritual digestive system, so to speak. And um, so um, we need to set our minds, what, Scripture, setting minds on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay. Um, I found it I've many, many times in my life where, you know, an impure thought or something comes into my head and, you know, and I, and I, you, you try to succumb it by natural means, and it doesn't work because it's a spiritual battle. <laughs> but the minute that you start reflecting on Yeshua or start using his name or start singing praise songs or saying prayers, all of a sudden that thought flees away from you. And that's scriptural because Yeshua says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that word resist is a really interesting word. It doesn't mean um, 
to contend with, like to fight against. It means to repel back in, in disgust. Okay, to repel back in such a manner that you know, how could I ever think that or even think of doing that? You know, um, because he's the ones that that puts these thoughts in our head. Him and his emissaries, of course. But the thing to remember is that this is a spiritual battle, and Stephen Greer is fighting for the other side. But until Stephen Greer takes his last breath, I mean, if, we're talking about if Stephen Greer is human being, okay, totally human. Um, and there's a good chance that he is, but the fact that he just him and Dolan just showed up on the scene with, and there's no history about him whatsoever, except for recent history in the last 20 years or so. Um, with no family, no. Um, there's something that seems to suggest that Stephen Greer got married. So, um, but either they they love to keep their lives in secret or. They don't have lives prior to this. Uh, you know that me and Brian and after, before that Jim and Eric, we were very transparent with our lives, talking about things that we did before we came to know the Lord, um, things that we've done since we've known the Lord. Um, you know, Jim always talked about being Danish. Um, he talked about his mother and father, that he had a brother. Um and, and the whole nine yards. And, you know, his dad was a saint and everybody loved his dad. Um, Brian talks a lot about his family. Um, I talk a lot about mine. Eric talked a lot about his family, too. And um, so people that have families, um, I mean, if the family is a good family, they usually brag about the family. And if the family it was disaffected in some kind of way, they talk about... Um, why the family created them to be disaffected. And I'm going to take these glasses off because I don't need them anymore. I'm not reading. Um, so, you know, people always brag or complain about their families. And and uh, as far as I can tell, these two never did. Um, it's none of our business, but I don't know why Karen and Richard Dolan broke up. Um, usually, I don't know. Well, like we, you know, I have read that she, some people were saying that she was writing a shirt tales to fame and fortune, and uh, other people said that, uh, you know, he was using her for different things. But, um, anyways, but aside from that, you know, does Richard, what was Richard's father, Richard's father's and mother's name? What is, does he have brothers? Does he have sisters? Um, what are their names? When were they born? You know, um, and these are things people want to know because people want to be able to identify with these guys, you know. And if they're not going to let you know what their family is, how can you identify with them? You can only identify that he looks like us, he acts like us, and stuff like that. But as um, uh, David Jacobs has pointed out, that the Hubrids look like us and act like us too, except that they have some strange ways that... You know, I think if I was ever in um, the company of Greer or Dolan, I would I would ask certain questions just to see how they were answered, just to see if they're hubrids or not. Um, but uh, anyway, it's um, it's just very weird, very weird indeed. And um, so we got these two guys that are going on television and and all kinds of radio stuff trying to convince us that. 
there's life in outer space and and stuff like that. And they've they've gone to the point where they've gotten Christians to believe that there's life out on other planets. And I'm sorry, but if you can't prove it scripturally, then it doesn't happen. Scripture is very um, astute at uh, addressing just about every issue that there is. And it addresses life on other planets in a not even in a negative manner. It just says that it's not possible. Um, uh, number one, when Adam fell, the whole universe fell, not just Earth. All of creation fell. Um, scripture says that all of creation mourns for the the coming of the sons of God, which means me and you, the, the, the unveiling of the sons of God, excuse me. And that will happen someday when um, when all... Uh, when the defecation hits the rotary oscillator, so to speak. And um, and it talks about uh, that Jesus, Yeshua, died once and for all. And it talks about how Yeshua was a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman is a family member, the family of man, not the family of aliens, not the family of the Nephilim. He didn't come to die for Nephilim. He didn't come to die for aliens. And if he didn't come to die for aliens, then they're not something that are worth dying for. So that just, again, goes back to the fallen angel thing. Um, I'm trying to think of other instances, too. Um, uh, there's just so many of I wrote an article about it. It's on the delusionresistance.org. Um, and I can't remember the name of it. It saved my life. But um, it's there. And you could do a search. There's a little search bar. You could type in something like... Um, did Jesus die for aliens or something? And it should come up. Um, but the, I find I find these doctrines of demons creeping into the churches, and the church is readily receiving them. And the pastors really just don't seem to care. Uh, a number of years ago, I went to a, um, I was checking out churches. I was between churches at the time. And I've always liked churches like Calvary Chapels because they're kind of like right in the middle. Um, they're not dead like um, like the Methodist churches and all the mainline churches and they're not charismaniacs either and um, I can't I just can't bear to be in a church when people are running around shelling, shouting out hallelujah and and uh, finding gold dust and angel feathers and everything everywhere and and baying like uh, mules and and mooing like cows and everything else that's not scriptural and it's definitely not Christian. Um, so anyway, I was in this um, church, and I, when I go to a new church, I always sit in back, just in case I got a bail. And I learned that because one time I accidentally went to a Mormon church, thinking my, I was meeting a friend there. And I walked in there and realized it was a Mormon church, and I wasn't sitting in the back. And I, I finally, you know, I, I tried to figure out a way to get out of there because I, I didn't want to embarrass anybody. I didn't want to insult them. Um, but after a while, it was like there was no breaks whatsoever. It was an hour at least of nonstop talking, and it didn't look like it was going to end anytime soon. So I got up and I just left. I walked out the door and I didn't look back. And I imagine there was a lot of people looking at me. And it's funny too because they were all dressed. The men were dressed in white shirts and black pants. I had on a black shirt and jeans. So. <laughs> I think they knew that uh, there was something in their eyes wrong with me. But anyway, um, 
So I always sit in back when I go to visit a new church, and I was sitting there one day, and and this, um, uh, I had gone there about three or four times, I think, to check it out. And, um, well, one time I had one of the fellows come up, uh, him and his wife, I was sitting next to him, we really hit it off, you know, and and, um, he said, well, everything the pastor tells us to do, we do. And boy, did the alarm bells start going off in my head, and I I said, I told him, I shouldn't have done this. I said, well, if he asks you to drink Kool-Aid, don't do it. Um, and those people never spoke to me again. But um, I was sitting in back one day, and and a little kid walked up. He was probably about eight, nine years old. And he said that uh, one of his friends was investigating Atlantis and that he had read that Atlantis is a really neat place, that it's underwater and it's a domed city, and that, um, uh, you know, it's just, all the red flags were going up and I really thought okay pastor now here's a chance for you to you know to really come out against this and to teach this kid something and he came out and he said wow that sounds like a really neat place and I remember doing this and I've done this before in church and it doesn't go over very well and I went "Eh, wrong answer um and so he kind of looked at me and, and I at him and, you know, he went his own way. And um, I walked up to him after the last, I went to this one last service over there and, you know, I wasn't impressed. Um, the worship was, instead of being adoration, it was rock and roll. And um, I can't have that. But anyway, um, I walked up to him and I said, listen, pastor, I said, I don't want to step on your toes. And this is your church. I realized that. And I, you know. If you tell me to leave and never come back, I'll honor what you do. You know, I'll, I said, but, you know, I said, the other day when that kid asked you about Atlantis, I said, I, my, my fellow researchers and I, we study stuff like this and, and how this stuff is creeping into the church and, and it's the corrupting young minds as well as older minds. And I said, and if this stuff ever comes up, please feel free. I said, visit my webpage. I said, but please feel free to come up to me and ask me about it, what I think, and, you know, and this research I've done about it. And I got the uh, the nice little pat on the shoulder and, uh, and a little grimace that looked like a smile and was told, well, yeah, well, I'll consider that, which was his way of saying leave and never come back. Um, believe me, I've experienced this many times. And I left and I never came back. He did have my business card, though, and he never called me about anything. Um, so I, you know, I'm very leery about these things that are creeping into the church and, and the more you try to address them, the more you're seen as a conspiratorialist or, or, uh, a rabble rouser or just the, the, the guy that believes in the little gray men, you know, and stuff like that. And, um, if, if you're in a church like that and you're trying to minister there, well, if you feel called to stay there, then stay there by all means. But if not, get the heck out of there because they're just making, they're mocking you, and you could, you might be able to go someplace where you make some good out of your, your ministry. Because I know a lot of you out there have a lot to say, a lot of good things to say about what's going on in this world and the truth of uh, what's going on in this world and. And you don't need to be treated like little children because you don't have a degree on your wall. And um, so, anyway, you know, please take my advice and 
and don't waste your time. What does the Bible say? Don't cast your pearls before the swine because they'll trample you to death. And um, oh, there's another one too. I can't remember it, but um, just um, go someplace where you're appreciated. You may never find that place. I never have. Um, actually, I found one place. Yes, I, I lied. Sorry, unintentionally. Um, if you ever go to Sacramento, there's a church called um, Well, the, the pastor is the um, chaplain at Union Gospel Mission. I believe he still is. A lot, it's been several years now, but his name is Tom Mooney, and he has a church called um, Last Days Harvest Ministries, and they meet down in um, West Sacramento, way down um, in the boonies. There's a church out there, and they meet there, and some of the best worship I've ever experienced. And, and also, he, he's, he knows the truth about the aliens, about the, the fallen angels and, and everything else, and um, has seen several UFOs himself. Um, great guy. Um, I would trust him with my life. Um, has experienced a lot of tragedy in his life, um, which is something that happens when you were um, a follower of Yeshua, a serious follower of Yeshua, or it seems to be anyway. I guess there's some people that skate through life uh, with a serious walk, and they don't have those problems. But for the most part, you know, you'll get attacked physically. Um, you'll you'll get attacked uh, spiritually in the whole nine yards if you're serious about fighting all this stuff and exposing it. Um, trust me, I could sit here for hours and tell you stories, but I won't. Um, so anyway... Um, that in mind, um, you know, this is why I do the Gamatria studies, because I found more often than not that when I'm looking up people that are evil, that there's a lot of words that go along with them or a lot of um, phrases that kind of explain them. And I just like to share those with you guys so that you know who you're dealing with, you know. Um, if Gamatria is something that is truly bona fide, and his order of the Lord, which so far it seems to have been, for me anyway, then it's going to be revelatory. It's going to reveal things to you that um, that you're going to want to share with other people. Now, I don't know if it will show up, but I just paused the show for a second. I had to go take care of some business, if you know what I mean. Um, but, um, oh, really quick. What I wanted to do is, um, I don't know if you know it, but Israel is um, one of the uh, states that's really enforcing the mandating of the COVID-19 vaccine. They're using the Pfizer vaccine. They cut a deal with Kaiser, uh, Kaiser Pfizer um, on the vaccine, and basically Israel is the um, human laboratory for the vaccine and how it works. Um, I don't like that for two reasons. First, it's almost like it's a second genocide, and uh, first we and second we have uh, a daughter living over there, and uh, her husband and some kids, and um, who are refusing to take the shot, and she's been sending us pictures periodically. Um, one of them was um, they had gone to IKEA. Yeah, Ikea is in Israel, folks, believe it or not. Um, I've never seen such appalling-looking furniture in my life. 
Um, I, I could I could have built nicer stuff in wood shop when I was in high school. But anyway, um, they were allowed to go through IKEA through the store, but they were not allowed to go into the food court. It was closed off to anybody that did not have a vaccine card. The same thing with some other areas, um, other eating establishments, um, various other venues in Israel you can't go to um, unless you've had the vaccine. And like we talked about last week, uh, there are a bunch of lawyers and um, rabbis that are going to um, The Hague in the Netherlands to the world court to fight against this because it violates the Nuremberg laws and the Jews were the reason why the Nuremberg laws were written because Mengele and his henchmen were the ones that conducted illegal experiments on Jews and other peoples in uh, in the concentration camps. So I don't know what's gotten into Netanyahu's head. Um, you know, people used to tell me that he was just as um, a Zionist in a bad way, in a bad form of Zionism, where he's you know with the uh, the elites and the one world order. And I never believed it because I always saw him as a military hero, as a great president and uh, or prime minister, excuse me. And um, but lately he's been um, he's kind of, kind of like he's revealed himself for who he really is and um, a dangerous dictator. He really is. I had a lot of respect for the man. I had tons of respect for the man. Not anymore. The man's evil. And uh, if he made that kind of deal to um, vaccinate his own people, knowing that the vaccination is dangerous, then uh, he's a war criminal. And um, hopefully the kind of war criminal that will be punished in the way war criminals should be punished, and that's executed. Um, I hate to have to say that about the guy because I used to really like him. Um, However, uh, he's... He's become a problem. And um, so, but the thing is, you know, it's real hard to leave Israel now, too, because if you don't have that little uh, green check mark on your uh, passport, uh, you can't travel. And um, I'm just hoping that they're able to get here and stay here when they get here. Um, I don't think it's going to get much better here, but. At least here, there's going to be pockets of resistance. Um, I've never, as a Jew, I've never been able to understand the Jewish mind where they will obey authorities um, to death, basically. Um, They never really fought against the Germans. Some did. There were some Jewish resistors out there, um, but not enough. Um, Never really tried to escape. Um, those that, I mean, there's, I don't know. To me, it seems like there's always a way of an escape from something. I mean, even if I, if I were to have to try to escape from here, you know, going over the mountains and, and walking through the deserts of Eastern Oregon to get out of Oregon, you know, I would do that. Um, but, you know, Germany and the rest of Europe's filled with forests, you know, um, yeah, the dogs might chase you, but there's a way to evade dogs. Um, but it's just, it just de- it defies explanation why 
so many let themselves be led like lambs to the slaughter. And I don't think I could do that. I couldn't. I couldn't let my family go through it for goodness sakes. You know, you have a family. You're there to protect them and to die for them if you have to. Um, so anyway, the the situation in Israel is not good. And um, if you're a praying person, you need to pray that um, the uh, the court of the Hague, the World Court, finds that Israel's breaking uh, the Nuremberg laws and that uh, Netanyahu's guilty of genocide. Um, also, now, I know a lot of Christians out there, if, if you're a Christian, you believe that the law was nailed to the cross with Jesus and is no longer in effect, and that's bupkis because it is still in effect. Um, otherwise, it would be legal to murder in God's eyes. Um, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder, is what it actually says. Um, it would be okay to have adultery with every man or woman that you chose. Um, but scripture says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Um, so anyway, um, one interesting thing about the Torah and the vaccination, and I'm not going to be on much longer, but um, the Torah is a um, an interesting thing in that it's a contractual kind of thing in that it establishes that if a wrong has been done, then the person who has wronged someone has to right the wrong, and they're held culpable. Um, read about any of the vaccines and see if the vaccine companies are culpable. They're not. You cannot sue a um, vaccine manufacturing company for ill effects against the vaccine because they've had laws written. You can't do that, at least here in the United States. Um, and I'm sure that they've done it in other countries. If they've done it here and gotten away with it, they've gotten away with it just about everywhere, probably. But um, so the good part about the Torah is that it's contractual and that everything has to be answered for. And if something is out there like the vaccine that can harm you and nobody has to answer for it then the Torah null and voids it and um, I had a laugh because doctors just they, they just do what they they're told they're like anybody else any other schmendrick that is out there and and told what to do and if you don't you know you're you're gone and um, I actually had a doctor tell me the other day that with the long haulers that if I took the vaccine that my symptoms would get better. <laughs> and and I, I'm sorry, but it's that's weird. It's like telling a person with lead poisoning to take more lead because that lead will help get rid of the other lead. <laughs> it's, um. It, it was ludicrous. I, I had to do everything to, to keep from laughing in her face when she told me this. And, of course, she was a young woman, and, you know, I would say she was in her mid-20s, the late 20s, and and um, has bought into the lie that uh, whatever the American Medical Association and whatever the CDC and uh, um, the World Health Authority, whatever it is, WHO, 
um, what they say is is gospel truth, and far be it. Um, Bill Gates dictates what those people say. Anthony Fauci dictates what those people say. And um, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be a lab lab animal. I'm not going to be an experiment. And um, I'll go to my grave before that happens. Um, So anyway, um, be in prayer for Israel. Be in prayer for this country, too, because... Um, with what we've got in the White House now and what's waiting in the wings when this thing dies. Um, this creature, I don't know what he is. Um, I don't know how many of them there are either. It seems like there's about four or five Joe Bidens out there. Um, you know, they're a criminal family cartel, and uh, they're just wicked people. And uh, when, when he finally succumbs to his... Um, his uh, mental incapacity, which he will, because everybody that gets that, nobody ever gets better. There's not a medicine for it yet. Um, or I don't know if there ever will be. But when he finally succumbs, you have uh, old knee pads Harris out there who's going to take over, and she's three times worse than old Joe is. And um, good golly. The, the, the thought of the prospect is, uh, I don't know, it kind of makes you queasy a little bit. But, um, so this thing isn't over yet. This country can go either way. Um, hopefully, calmer heads will prevail and, and sensible heads will prevail. But, you know, one more thing real quick. I read that thing from uh, David Jacobs about the hubrids. And it explains a lot, you know, because if you, he explains the Hubrids as people that really don't know very much. He said they're, uh, telepathically, they're very intelligent, but uh, on their own, they're very stupid, (laughs) basically. They have to have everything explained to them, and they don't know right from wrong. They don't know good from bad. They don't know left from right and, and everything else, and doesn't that kind of describe um, those people that are running Congress these days, the Schumers and the Pelosi's and the and all the Schmendricks that are up there um, running things? Um, th- for some reason, they just don't seem to have the mental capacity to be able to do it, but they're pulling it off really well. Uh, I know, uh, actually, know a um, a psychopath that has the IQ of I think it's 87. But he can make himself sound real intelligent. I mean, um, he's always quizzing people about things, you know. uh, Well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And um, But if it comes to something that he's really got his mind set to, he's very versed in it. It's because he's read. Uh, Just because you have an IQ of 87 doesn't mean that you can't learn, okay? Especially if you're, you're evil, most psychopath or all psychopaths are and um, anyway this uh, this fellow is uh, a prime example of what's running our country these days um, both spiritually and physically and even in the sex department um, evil pure evil and um, so you know uh, <laughs> 
I don't know if Trump's ever going to make a comeback. If he does, then praise the Lord and hallelujah. Um, if he comes in and saves this country when it's at its worst, then um, that would be a great thing. But uh, how bad does it have to be before it's at its worst? You know, um, we have um, we have people here in Oregon who are diehard, dyed-in-the-wool liberals who are actually starting to wake up to see how evil the Democrats have become, how socialist they've become, and how communistic they've become. And they're actually switching parties or voting uh, along uh, conservative lines because they can see their eyes are being opened, something I've always prayed about. Um, African Americans are, are coming out and starting to see what's going on, that they've been cast aside. In, in lieu of the uh, Hispanics who are flooding across the border, uh, the Democrats are dropping the, the African American community like a hot potato and taking up the cause of the Hispanics and, and blacks are caught in the middle and don't know what to do. And we need to pray that, uh, the, that they would realize that they need to fight this economic slavery that they've been in since 1964 or 65. And they can fight it, and we can band together, all of us. And please, if golly, if you're if you're a black brother or sister, you know, please motivate your family. Talk to them whatever way you can, your friends, your loved ones. Um, let's stop. Let's put aside the racial crap, and you know, this is racist, that's racist, and, and everything else, and and realize that. The ones that are running government are the racists, and and they're against the human race. Okay, they're not against whites. They're not for whites. They're not against blacks. They're not for blacks. They're not against Hispanics. They're not for Hispanics. They are against the human race, and they're trying to destroy us as a nation and as a people and as a race. And we need to destroy them before they destroy us. So. And, you know, my feeling about that is only God can take them down. And um, anyway, any other way is fruitless because if you try to take them down by doing something, then they'll just try to make whatever you use to take them down illegal. And uh, we're fighting against ourselves when we do that. But um, when the Lord fights for us, when Yahweh fights for us, everything is... Uh, Everything's great because you, you can't outlaw God. Um, you can try to, but um, you don't want to play chess with him. He'll win every time. So anyway, I've um, been talking for an hour and 45 minutes. I think it's time to kind of wind things up. So tonight we've learned about uh, Stephen Greer, about his gematria equivalent values and other words and phrases, and they pretty well borne out who he is, what he is, what he's out for, what he's against, um, what he's trying to accomplish. So, um, gematria hit it again. Uh, the next one I'm going to work on is uh, the big kahuna, which is uh, Bill Henry Gates the third. Um, probably the worst worst um, enemy of mankind that there is. So um, stay tuned for that one. Brian and I are going to be on for sure on Monday. We're going to be talking about, um, okay, mine, don't fail me now. 
Um, oh, we're going to be talking about a secret space program. I know we talked about that before with Rodney Madsen, but um, we're going to we're going to go into it from a Christian perspective, more of a Christian perspective, and um, and also talk about some of the technologies that are out there that not very many people know about that we've uh, kind of discovered through reading and research and um, and talk about the fact that we've probably colonized the moon, Mars, some of the moons of Jupiter and Saturn, and, um, and that we're far, much farther along than you would ever thought, and that uh, Trump's uh, space program um, has a lot to do with this. So anyway, we will see you on, or, well, won't see you, but I'll post this uh, this tonight, and I'll post the one for um, I'll post this one tonight on uh, Rumble, and I'll post the one for Monday night um, later on Monday on uh, on Rumble. And as always, you can get these programs on the Delusion Resistance website. Uh, there's a link to everything that we've ever done in the archives. You'll see a little thing up on top that says. Uh, um, Opposing the Matrix Archives files. And uh, there's tons of stuff up there. And all the way from 2010. So, um, in December, I could actually say that it's 21 years, or 10 years, or 11 years worth of content. So, I'll get the numbers right. <laughs> I got them right. Took three tries. Um, anyway, so you guys uh, and, and ladies have a wonderful uh, weekend. And I will see you very soon on Opposing the Matrix. And, um, hey, just kind of uh, just know that Yahweh Yeshua has got everything in his in control. And that no matter how bleak it looks, kind of like I told you tonight, the blessings that we've had here, um, no matter how bad it looks, that he'll bail you out. When you least expect it, <laughs> I least expected what happened today. Um, so, uh, and expect 11:59 bailouts. Um, that usually happens with me. It probably happens with you too. But um, anyway, that having been said, Yeshua bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may Yahweh give you peace. Good night, y'all. <laughs>